at the line is part of Belly Up Sports. Visit bellyupsports.com for more podcasts and articles from all your favorite sports. That includes football, racing, baseball, basketball, and even hockey. Also, follow Belly Up Sports on Twitter at Belly Up Sports. Belly Up Sports. Be bold. Stand out. Welcome, welcome, welcome to At The Line. How's it going? I'm Ty, along here with Mac and the special guest, Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs Podcast and the Spurs Zone. How are you guys doing today? What's up, what's up, what's up? How's everything going, Jeff? How you doing? I am doing great. How about you guys? We're, we're, we're pumped. End of the season's coming around. Manu's retirement night's... Thursday. Oh my God, Father, <laughs> So, but we got a lot to go through today. We got we're going to talk about Harden's flop because that's the, do the Harden flop. We have to talk about that. We have to talk about LMA's latest career night because this dude is just an underrated score in my mind. And then we're going to talk about Manu because how else can we not talk about Manu when his jersey retirement is coming up? So. So, but Jeff, so can you tell everyone yeah. what you do that they, that who doesn't know you? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you gentlemen for having me on your show. Uh, y'all do some bang up uh, work there at ATL and so continue the work. So I appreciate the invite. Uh, as for me, yeah, I'm the lead Spurs writer uh, slash beat writer for News Force San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio. Been covering the Spurs since 2004 from Press Row. So um, to tell you how old I, I am, i seen games at the Hemisphere Arena, the Alamo Dome, SBC Center, and now the AT&T Center. So needless to say, um, pretty much grew up with this team, so um, it's interesting to see them transition to a new generation of Spurs. Uh, but yeah, for everything you need for silver and black, go to the Spurs Zone, Beach for San Antonio and Fox 29 SanAntonio.com. And I appreciate it, guys. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear your opinion on the, on the I'm sorry, the Harden flop. Oh, that guy. <laughs> But before we get started, I'm going to just let you feel older. I was six in 2004, I believe. Good <laughs> Lord, I'm old enough to be your dad. That's crazy. <laughs> Jeff, I, I think uh, some of our audience doesn't even know that, that the Spurs played outside of the AT&T Center. <laughs> I, I, I knew they played in the Alamo Dome, but I didn't know what the Hemisphere Center was. Dang. Uh, yeah, the Hemisphere Arena was actually built uh, back in the 60s. Uh, for the uh, World's Fair that was held in San Antonio and ended up uh, keeping that um, arena, which was basically for entertainment, and they converted it into uh, the ABA uh, basketball. And believe it or not, it used to be just be a one lower bowl, and that was it. There was no upper deck. There was no suite. It was just a lower bowl, and then everything else halfway up was nothing but wall and ceiling. Spurs got popular. They became. They got into the NBA. They added a second floor, 
and the infamous uh, obstructed view back in the day. And I can say <laughs> I sat, I remember sitting behind the obstructed view pole uh, growing up. And what's interesting though, is those, those tickets were the cheapest and people would actually fight for them because they were like two or three bucks. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, the hemisphere arena, I say this much, I miss it because that was an arena that was uh, where everybody was just on top of the court and you can cheer on the Spurs and they would hear you. You were so, it was such an intimate feeling unlike the Alamo Dome where everything was just spread apart. And now the AT&T Center, they kind of gotten back to that. There's still a little distance, but the, oh my God, back in the day, that hemisphere arena used to be loud. I remember it was deafening. And um, yeah, I was able to see Gervin play, Robinson's rookie season, uh, Sean Elliott's rookie season. They used to have, back in the day, draft day parties where everybody would go to the Hemisphere Arena and uh, it was free, you know, it was cheap. I remember um, there being ramps. Like, if you wanted to go to your seat in the upper deck, was they added an upper deck, uh, upper deck, you had to go up ramps these big, long, winding, big ramps, big enough to fit cars up into your level and sit there. But basically, um, so for example, I was there for the Robinson uh, draft. Well, let me rephrase that. No, I was there for the Sean Elliott draft. That's right. When Robinson got drafted, he showed up and he was on hand to watch the Spurs pick. And they selected Sean Elliott, third overall. Uh, I remember Robinson just jumping up out of his seat. Uh, He was in center court along with Red McCombs, the owner. And uh, everyone was applauding. They interviewed him. But when they interviewed him, back in the day, uh, players that they would draft, they would put them on the big jumbotron. And so basically everybody would hear his first conversation with the Spurs, and then they would pass it on to the fans. Or he was like, okay, we'll say hello to the fans. Nowadays, they do it privately at the Spurs practice facility where no, the public doesn't get to hear it. I get to hear it. And, um, and I don't like that. I, I think they, they took away a lot of that fan connection to the new players that came in. So, but it's definitely a change. Um, I've seen this team to oof, both new coaches. I remember the Jerry Tarkanian half season. That was a joke. And, um, <laughs> and they, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, they brought in uh, Tark the Shark for half a season. Uh, I remember back then in the day where Popovich was hated among fans. Fans hated him because of the fact that he fired Bob Hill, which at that time was leading the Spurs uh, into the postseason. didn't go to the, the finals, but he was making deep runs, and a lot of fans didn't like how Popovich handled that situation with Bob Hill. But, you know, Hindsight's 2020, and we all know that the rest is history. Uh, five banners hanging in the AT&T Center. So um, the Spurs um, have evolved uh, since my day growing up in San Antonio to now covering them intimately. Um, it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind to see how every year, every generation Spur goes through uh, with how the fans interact. Um, I remember fans back in the 70s, 80s, they were very, very united. They were, everybody was on the same page. There was no hating, nothing. You fast forward today, a lot of sports fans are clickish. And that's kind of one of the things that really upsets me because basically I grew up in an era where fans were united. Everybody, uh, you know, as long as you were a sports fan, you were part of the family. Nowadays, it's if, if you say something, oh, this, I'm making this up. You know, a fan A says, oh, well, Robinson was the greatest center ever. 
And then Fan B says, are you, are you kidding me? Uh, make, again, making this up. Lamarcus Aldridge, and by the way, go to hell. You suck. Let me go ahead and repost this and let everybody know how stupid you are. This just sounds like exactly. some normal sports Twitter at this point. <laughs> I remember um, you know, you're growing up in the neighborhood and, you know, hey, Alvin, by day, it was Alvin Robertson that was the big star. I remember having a poster of Alvin Robertson in my bedroom growing up in the south side of San Antonio. And... Willie Anderson, I remember Willie Anderson uh, posters everywhere. Cadillac Anderson as well. And uh, you know, back then, you know, the Spurs, you know, they were good, but they weren't great. Um, I remember the Spurs-Laker rivalry back in the day where Gervin was playing against Magic Johnson, seeing them two clash on the court. It was something to see, something to behold. And um, I remember getting turned down by A.C. Green for an autograph uh, pregame as a kid. I remember that. I remember he kind of shrugged off. He told me, no, 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 go ahead and just walk away. Uh, so um, the Spurs have come a long way. I'm glad to see the, be part of the championship experience. In 2014, I was in the uh, locker room, and I still have video of that, uh, celebrating with the Spurs uh, the 14th title. And I remember a drunk Corey Joseph with me, not wanting to get off the camera. And I remember Boris Diaw trying to get me drunk. Um <laughs> <laughs> and in the locker room, uh, I asked him a question, and then he put his arm around me, and he brought out some beer. He goes, have one with me. So I can say I had a beer with Boris Diaw during the uh, 2014 championship. I saw uh, <laughs> Mon- uh, Mon- uh, Marco Bellinelli cry, just crying like a baby because he became the first Italian to win an NBA title, draped in his uh, Italy uh, flag. And I remember my lasting image, though, is, uh, two things. One, the amount of media trying to get into that small Spurs locker room. Um, and I don't know how they, they fit everybody in there, but we all got in there. And I just remember seeing uh, Tim Duncan, Manu, and Tony uh, side by side uh, hugging each other. And that famous photo that you see now in the 14 with all three of them are, are hugging each other, soaked, and the TV has this cat backwards. I was there. I saw it uh, before it became, um, you know, part of uh, the internet lore. Now everybody goes to that photo when they're writing an article about the uh, first titles, and they bring up 2014. And I remember standing in center court when the uh, confetti fell. And, uh, yes, I was there when the AC broke and LeBron got cramped. And I remember (laughs) turning to somebody in the media row and I remember I, I was dressed up. You got to look completely presentable when you're sitting on, on press row. Turning to this guy going, is it getting hot in here or is it just me? And at that moment, I remember just feeling drenched. The entire AT&T Center, I remember walking uh, back downstairs to the press room uh, after uh, game one. Fans just sweating and they didn't have a care and they were just celebrating the Spurs and won the game and making some LeBron and the cramps. So uh, it, it's been interesting right for me. I never thought I'd see, you know, growing up in San Antonio as a kid and cheering on the Spurs to becoming a hardcore fan to following them the way I did prior to my media introduction. And then 2004, you know, was my big break. And then boom, you know, to see them, uh, grow and develop and change and pop this change. I remember when he wasn't as uh, a grumpy guy. I, I remember that visibly where he was very cordial with the media, very talkative, very funny, very joking. And, you know, for him to transition to this was kind of eye popping. But um, it's fun. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy providing um, Spurs fans 
with as much of silver and black info they can take. Um, and uh, I liked it because I still remember being that kid growing up in the South Side, wanting to know everything about the Spurs. So I figured, why not just carry that with me now that I'm in? And, uh, you, you know, I could just call the Spurs and go, hey, you need a pass. And they go, okay, fine, it's going to be waiting for you. Uh, to know that fans don't really have that opportunity, I do. So, and I know other media uh, heads out there taking a different approach. Uh, you know, they're very, you know, here it is and that's it. Um, I like to say, hey, be a part of this journey that I was on, you know, and I remember what it was like, oh, my God, Alvin Robertson uh, likes Big Red. I remember back in the day, he was a big, <laughs> big Red drinker. That was cool to me. And I said, I think, now fast forward today, Tim Duncan um, shot a deer, you know, or a sheep. I think that's cool, you know, and I think uh, fans would enjoy little things like that. So, I may be old, but I'm still young at heart, and I still carry that silver and black fandom in me, even though when I'm at the games or when I'm at work with News 4, I have to remove that hat and put on the media hat. But the moment I clock out, it's back to just being that fan that grew up in the city south side, San Antonio. So if you didn't have enough, if you didn't think Jeff had enough credit, this is completely <laughs> downplays that completely because this man knows yeah. what he's talking about. I don't, I don't, I, I don't like talking at fans. I like talking with fans, yeah. and I and I encourage their opinion. And I, I've gotten a lot of flack for that. I think some media don't like that. Um, you know, I know I'm asking questions of the fans. I get that. I realize that. Uh, I know some of those questions are pretty obvious to so what the answer is going to be. I don't care. I just want to know what you all think. So when I ask questions game day, how do you think it's going to go down? You know, does LMA need help? I know the answer is. I know I know what it is, clearly. But I just want to hear what you have to say because when I do lockdown spurs, you know, and I bring in guests and, you know, we want to talk about the pulse of the fan, I'm aware of it. So it helps me when I'm doing lockdown spurs and writing in articles to know that this is what fans want. You know, they yeah. like this. They want to know that LMA is playing well with Yaka Pearl. Okay, so I'll go in Boston, like I was yesterday night, and ask LMA and Pirtle, how is it like playing with uh, Aldridge and Pirtle? And then, boom, it turns into something that everybody can read about. So there, there's a method to my madness. Well, let's actually come back to the LMA and Jakob thing real quick after we... We're going to talk about three quick games. One game, we're just going to brief it. It was a 105-110 to loss against Miami. wasn't a good game. I'm just going to... I think it's better that we spend less time on that and spend more time on infuriating about Harden because that w- and a one that's something all the Spurs fans can can uh can get behind rally behind it was a 105 to 111 loss in Houston this was I this game this game was was not the best at first the Spurs were down for majority of the game but then in the fourth quarter they started clicking like that and they did have the lead and then that stupid charging call happened mm-hmm. it so to describe the play if you haven't seen it, and I don't know how you haven't seen it, uh, Demar is going up for a mid-range shot, and he takes a mid-range shot. I think did he drain the mid-range shot too? Yeah, he drained. I it. believe he did. They waved it off. Yeah, yeah. He, so he made a shot, but they waved it off. And on the replay, his arm brushed against the tip of Harden's beard, yeah. and Harden went flying mm. backwards in a flop. Guy <laughs> <laughs> that can take advantage of the rules this in this modern era of the NBA is him. Uh, yeah, you look, is it sloppy in part of the game? Of course it is. You know, Spurs do it. You know, other teams do it. Manu did it. it is, Manu did it. Tim Duncan did it a lot. Uh, 
you know, if you remember Tim Duncan was the one, uh, one of the pioneers, not, not the pioneer, but one of the pioneers of getting the, an opposing player to rake across the arms by putting out the ball and then just bringing up his arms so the foul can be called. Harden does that now. Uh, Ron Omani did, you know, and he was one of the best at it. And Bruce Bowen, oh my goodness, same thing. You know, he did the same thing too. He would really sell calls and get under the skin. So it, it happens. But yeah, that was a turning point. And that pretty much killed any momentum the Spurs had and possibly getting out of Houston with a W. But I do commend the Spurs for their fight in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, any, you know, anytime a player drops 61 freaking points on you and you still have a chance to pull out a win, I think that's a, that's a credit to Popovich and the system. The players themselves and not get sucked into that and not feel defeated. And they almost, they almost pulled it off. They had a lead. They just couldn't hang on to it thanks to a nice flop by James Harden. So the thing that reminds me about the James Harden situation is a lot of people on Twitter were, and this was, again, you know, you you know how you do it, Jeff, where you ask a question and then, you know, people go back and forth. And so that's, that's what I like, you know, observing Twitter with. You, you see the pulse of how the NBA is trending. And so obviously this was contested, you know, hot button issue where you have DeMar coming around, working his shot and shooting it. And we've seen that time and time again where Harden does the same exact thing and, you know, Harden as the offensive player gets the gets the call just like he should, um, gets the call for, you know, and does the two shots or does the extra, the N1 play. But I, I just feel like people were thinking, and I don't know if this might be dating me, but people were thinking this guy had like a giant chin, like the crimson chin from the Fairly Odd Parents. Like he was just, <laughs> just massive... You know, like his beard, his chin extends all the way down through his beard. I was like, no, that's, that's not. And even then, DeMar wasn't doing anything demonstrative where, like, he in, he he was initiating contact with, with his chin. Like, he was going up for his shot. It wasn't even his chin. It was his beard. It hit the beard. Right. It didn't even hit well, the that's chin. What <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, people were thinking this guy has a crimson chin and, like, has a massive chin that, that is extends all the way down. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. I agree with you there. I agree with you. It was... <laughs> and the it, good thing about it, though, is you saw the Spurs, like Jeff said, you saw the Spurs fight. And I think over the over the last few games, you've seen them continue the fight. Maybe not the maybe not the Miami game, but we're not going to get into that one because that that's a scrub game. Yeah. But <laughs> the last two games, you, you've seen the you've seen the Spurs have that that tenacity, have that fight in them. And I think it's it's all about how Popovich is starting to to turn those wheels in their heads and hey. You know, the playoffs are coming right around the corner. We got to get into that mentality. So I hope they continue and extend it over these next eight games. And luckily in the next game, which I thought was a really good game for them, was the 115-96 win over the Celtics, where LaMarcus went off for 48, his almost his second 50-point game of the season. This dude was just clicking all night. Jeff, what do you think about his uh, his 48-point uh, performance? Well, you know, I, I was there in Boston, and I got to witness uh, LMA drop those 48 points. Look, and Boston had no answer for him, and they were hobbling. There was no Al Horford. Um, you know, Aaron Baines did his best he could, you know, but you know, Marcus also was just simply clicking. He was clicking on all cylinders. Um, to see him um, at late in the game wanting to stay in to get to 50, and then when he saw Drew Eubanks come in to check in, Afterwards, he even said, he goes, he, in his words, he said, oh, man, because he wanted 50. But look, LMA, 
has been the roster of San Antonio this season. There's no two ways about it. A lot of shine has been given to Derek White right now, and I get it. I, I see what the young man is doing. But, you know, a lot of all this shuffle has been LaMarcus Aldridge. That's what he points. 13 rebound performance uh, is just almost a summation of what he's been doing this season. He's just been the most consistent defensively and offensively. Uh, you know, taking advantage of the situation like he did versus Boston, who was uh, hobbled and depleted. So when you have uh, the beginning, uh, well, I should say the, the middle piece in that case that's being LMA, it feeds off everybody. You saw DeMar DeRozan following the game in, uh, in Boston say, hey, when he scores 50, it's like all of us score 50. And then when he's going, he's going, and that helps the team. So uh, what LaMarcus Aldridge did is it's just tremendous. And what he did versus Boston, it was just something to see because when he hit that three-point shot for the point, point you know, for three, for three free throws, I was like, my God, he's, he's feeling it. He really takes three. And there he is taking a three in Boston. The Boston Saints, well, they were, they were letting Boston know that they were not pleased with their performance defensively versus the LMA uh, constantly booing Boston. They took a shot at the Spurs. There was a young Celtics fan who said, hey, where's Kawhi Spurs? So the, the Spurs and the Marcus Aldridge were doing a number to Boston. The fans saw it. Um, I had to bite my tongue and not laugh at that, you know, because I got to be cool and, you know, can't react to that. But when I saw him, when I heard the kid, uh, so, hey, Spurs, where's Kawhi? And that's all you got, knowing that you're getting your butt handed to yourself right now. But, uh, LaMarcus, uh, what more can you say? Uh, you know, all I can say is he better continue playing this way because they're going to need him come postseason. Whether that be they draw the Nuggets, there's Joker, whether that be they get Blazers. You know, they're going to need LaMarcus Aldridge to play the way he's doing right now. And uh, it's not just him. Him and DeMar have to play the way they've been playing of late in the stretch run if they want to. Today, the Spurs won't have any significant run in the postseason. Because Derek White's about to get a healthy dose of reality in a few weeks. Uh, what it's like to play playoff basketball against some of the best guards in the league that are like your Lillard's, uh, your CJ McCollum, if he does play and gets, uh, gets rested and he's 100% healthy. Westbrook, Harden, we're going to see exactly what White is made of. But we know one thing for sure right now that DeMar and LaMarcus have been there and have done that. DeMar has gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. LaMarcus has had some deep runs with the Spurs and the, and, and the Blazers. So we'll see if the other kids can hang in there once it comes down to winning time. Or as LaMarcus said last night, winning season time uh, for the Spurs moving forward. Yeah, so no, I completely agree with, with everything that Jeff was saying. Yeah. LaMarcus ended up having uh, an overall better plus minus than the entire squad on both the, the Celtics and the Spurs. He, he ended up finishing with a plus 23, the game high. Um, he was two points shy of 50 points and there was a lot of people, you know, wanting, wanting pop to keep him in there, to get that 50, to have his second game, 50, uh, 50 points. Um, but he, he is a monster, just like Jeff was saying, he's an absolute monster right now. And I think after a couple of games, there was, there's, he had a few, you know, lulls, uh, just recently, but, and, and we always joke about this, you know, on, on this show, we always joke about this, that, <laughs> That sometimes the Spurs fan or Spurs players or Popovich will be listening to our show because they always end up doing it um, afterwards or, or even Twitter. Like you know, sometimes they'll they'll see Twitter's like I know um, John, I think it's John One Two Three Spurs. He he mentioned he's like you know Aldridge needs to step up his game. These past we're really going to need to depend on him. Exactly what Jeff was saying that we're really going to depend on him. 
And so then, boom, you know, he has a huge game against against the Celtics. Um, thank you, Baines, for letting him go off that much. We know you, you're doing the Spurs a solid. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he killed it. And, and, and I agree with everything Jeff was saying. Coming down the stretch, it's really going to determine we're really going to lean upon Aldridge, Mar, and Derek. I mean, it comes down to the point where you start leaning on, on this solid nine-man nine rotation, and you really have to step up. And so I really hope that LaMarcus can, can continue and carry this team and show people, like, hey, look, I can do this on my own. You know, we never needed Kawhi. It was just a matter of, well, let me take that back before the Spurs Twitter fan base kills me. Kawhi's great. <laughs> and if you get a Kawhi or if you have the power to get Kawhi, you always get Kawhi. But LaMarcus can do it on his own. And DeMar, um, you know, with DeMar helping, you know, I hope DeMar has that 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 mindset like i'm gonna prove people wrong i came here to prove people wrong that's exactly what i'm gonna show them that i'm clutch or that you know i don't shy away in the fourth quarter and that i can make these plays heck yes good overall win against the well, we well matt because like you just said right now um yeah, even even if his game is not on let's just say his offensive game is not on if he should see that defensive presence uh then i'll take it you know because he can pass out of the post you know, believe it or not, uh, in the recent games that he's been playing, he actually surpassed Jakob Pertl as now the team's best offensive rebounder now. So uh, Aldridge is stepping up his game defensively. Uh, we know what he can do on, on the rebounding. We often saw that. Uh, we know what he can do offensively. Uh, 56 points versus the Thunder, 48 versus um, the, the Celtics. Uh, so he, I, it's almost I, I don't want to say the Spurs go as he goes, because I think they could weather the storm if he's having an off game of, because they have DeMar DeRozan and they have a guy that I think is forgotten a lot, and that's Rudy Gay. Um, you know, there's, he's another phone scorer and defender that this person would rely on. This team is peaking at the right moment. The, the team said after the win versus Boston, and especially DeMar DeRozan, he made it very clear. He likes where the Spurs are trending. Patty Mills recently said, I think it was during the one of the home wins said they're turning the corner. They haven't turned the corner yet. This team knows that they still have a lot to work on. Um, and outside of maybe the Boston game, but you know, we saw what happened against Miami, you know, playing down the competition. We saw what happened in Houston. They uh, defensively, you know, they let Harden get hot. And I think the Spurs at least and not that game, but have been one of the better teams at defending hard and making life miserable for him. Uh, so all in all, I think the, I think DeMar's right. The, the Spurs are trending in the right direction. There still needs some cleanup work to be done. I need to see Derek White really start knocking down a consistent jumper. If he can, I mean, if I'm chipping, I'm getting, I'm paying him overtime right now to get Derek White ready for the postseason. There's a lot riding on this team. The good news is, I like the balance, the balance scoring on this team. You look at any box uh, score afterwards, it's even. You know, you'll see DeMar with his 20, 25, Lamarcus is 25. And then you see Bellinelli with 11, Burkans with 11, Mills with 10, Fours with 15. You'd love to see that. And I think the Spurs are going to have to rely on that type of, you know, all hands on deck mentality as the postseason arrives. For sure. So, when we come back, though, we'll talk a little bit more about, about the Spurs as a whole, and we'll also talk about Manu and his retirement game here on mm-hmm. At The Line.
Hey guys, have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use. And guess what? I know some are hosting websites. They cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you. And they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it? You can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast. All right, welcome back to At The Line. We have a much more improved Jeff Garcia now. Ooh, finally. Audience and technical difficulties, we got this. We got this, we fixed it. But and we fixed it just in time to talk about probably the most beloved spur of all time, Manu Ginobili. Mm. <laughs> Hold on, I think I, I think I got this. I'm already tearing up, man. I can't handle this. You're tearing up to the fanfare, but it, yes. But Manu Ginobili will have his number twenty jersey retired on mm. Thursday, March twenty eighth, when the Spurs go against the Cavs at home, and they've been. This has been, I think, the event everyone's been looking for since Manu announced his retirement because we we got to witness Tim Duncan's retirement, and we all cried at that. Now we're definitely going to be bawling our eyes out at the at mm-hmm. Center come Thursday. I can entertain this much. If you were crying when he cried when he retired from the national team for uh, Team Argentina, this is going to be <laughs> ten times more. You know what's funny? When he was introduced... Uh, to the Spurs uh, fan base uh, way back when, when he, what, 2002, uh, after, after the Spurs, uh, remember the Spurs had drafted him a couple seasons before he made his NBA debut. And he was introduced with jersey number six. And at that time, fans were upset because they thought that he was uh, committing blasphemy on Avery Johnson. <laughs> he cannot wear number six. He cannot wear number six. That's AJ's. Uh, but hey, again, you know, History uh, we, uh, pretty much uh, spelled it out, just how great he is. I, everybody's asked me, like, you know, what is your one memory of Manu? What is this? What is that? Well, my, my biggest memory of Manu has, had nothing to do with him on the court, swatting a bat, blocking Harden, or knocking down a half-court shot versus the Suns. It's actually behind the scenes. Um, I was starting out in this business. I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know what, what is the proper etiquette in, in the locker rooms. Um, well, Mama Ginobili uh, saved me one time and uh, from the wrath of the Spurs uh, PR department. Yeah, I walked in <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it was in Philadelphia, I believe. And Richard Jefferson, yes, Richard Jefferson had himself a great game. So everybody's clamoring for Richard Jefferson. And uh, 
out comes Mono Ginobili. He sits down. Everybody's in love with RJ because he did some amazing feat against the Sixers. And I was stuck in the back. I couldn't really hear RJ. I was getting frustrated. I said, okay, whatever. Who else is in here? Um, turn around. <laughs> I see Mono Ginobili. And I went, oh, Mono's here. He's sitting right behind me. Well, uh, um, I'm bilingual. I speak Spanish as well. So he speaks Spanish. I struck up a conversation with him. And at that time, I don't know if you remember this, a um, uh, cartoon character, uh, uh, she, it was a little rabbit, and she pulled out a Mono Ginobili card. And in this cartoon, she was explaining to the cop that how she's a big Mono fan. And I brought that up to him. And as well as the fact that I had just finished interviewing his brother, Sebastian, uh, for another source that I used to work with prior to transitioning to the news for San Antonio. And I struck it up like that. And then the next thing I know, I hear a tremendous yell at my name. That's not how you do it in this locker room, Jeff. Turn around and <laughs> the Spurs uh, PR department. Okay, I do not know. I had no idea. You know, you say open locker room. I'm going to go in and be in the open locker room. <laughs> and um, Monty Joby saw that. Um, he looked at the guy. He looked at me. He goes, just give me two minutes. They gave me two minutes. And then he kind of waved off the guy. He said, I'll talk to him. You know, so he actually was one of my biggest interviews I had. And we did it in Spanish. It was really cool. I loved it in their native tongue because they tend to be more open. And um, since then, I, I remember afterwards walking with him out of the locker room back to the team bus. And this time we're talking about his brother. because I just finished interviewing his brother. And he's like, yeah, he goes, I remember you now. Goes, Sebastian did tell me about that. You, you interviewed him. Thank you for doing that for my brother. It meant a lot for him. So those little things that he did behind the scene that fans don't get to see, those would resonate with me, you know, how he is with his teammates when I saw him joking around with Corey Joseph and Marco and, and Alberto and Tiago. It was just really fascinating to see and just how much of a father he was. There was it was during the finals too, and his kids came in and they interrupted the uh, in the, the locker room uh, media huddle. And he picked them up, and he he just turned on the switch. He was now managing nobody the dad, and uh, he coddled with them. He was uh, he was catering to their you know their curiosity, and then just like a pro, he goes, "Okay, he goes, I gotta let y'all go, and I gotta continue doing my work now." And then boom, right back into managing nobody the NBA player. So it's it's, it's going to be heartfelt to see him go. To, I guess I got to see him become the Hall of Fame back now. You know, this is the final chapter. This is it. This is the final closing of his uh, Spurs career. And it's only appropriate that his name is going to be put up there. It's only appropriate that and I'm, I'm expecting a, a bigger player turnout for him than maybe Tim Duncan. I wouldn't be surprised if I, you know, to see his brother there, maybe some of the Argentinian guys from the golden generation there, Roberto, Prigioni, you, you know, Nocioni those guys uh, show up or even just do something on the um, tape, videotape something that they play it for him. Uh, if he cries the whole entire in the 18th season, he's going to cry. And, uh, <laughs> Dude, I was watching the, cause, cause the Spurs have been doing those uh, like gra- glassy. I can't say, I can't speak Spanish right now. Yes. Cause I can't, yeah. I, cause I can't talk today. They kept, they keep doing those videos and I was, yeah. tra- I was training someone today on, at my job and I w- turned on the latest one, which was pop. And I was like close to my, I was trying not to be like, tear up or anything like that it's those videos because mm-hmm. they not only does it is like just emotional as a fan it also gives you the it still gives you those chills down your back mm-hmm. of those moments and yeah you know, i always been thinking about 
I think about the one autograph I do have from an NBA player, which is Manu. And it mm. was because my parents, they were coming back from, I think, from Mexico or something on like a Southwest flight. I don't know if, if it was Mexico. It was some small airline. And Manu happened to be on the flight. And my parents, they didn't, they didn't have anything to have him sign, but they had like a luggage, like a Texas shaped luggage tag. And he did sign it. It was awesome. And I was in second grade. I was either in second or third grade. I think third grade. And I took it to school with me and everyone was saying, that's not real. That's not real. And so I wrote on it in my seven-year-old handwriting real <laughs> next to it <laughs> <laughs> in like horrible lettering. And it, I'll post, I'll post on Twitter, but I always, my parents always laugh at that, but they, I think that was, that was one of their highlight moments with, with Manu that on a small airline flight, Manu Ginobili still flying it and gave him the time to sign a luggage tag. You know, there's never going to be another Manu Ginobili. Oh, hell no. Um, ever, ever, ever. Just like there's never going to be another Robinson, another Duncan, um, you know, another Tony Parker when he does hang it up. I tell you this much, though. You know, Manu Ginobili, you know, his style of play I had never seen in a Spurs uniform. Never seen that kind of play from yeah. any Spur. Any Spur. I, I've seen toughness from uh, Alvin Robertson, a, fear, a feared player from uh, when, when he was playing. Uh, for the silver and black. I saw finesse gentlemen with uh, Robinson. I saw the fundamentals and the never say die uh, attitude from Tim Duncan. Uh, but I never seen this type of passion out of a spur ever covering this team. He played as if every game was game seven and, and as if every game was a last. And he, you know, he, you, you saw that when he played with the team Argentina you saw that when he was playing uh, in the Euro League before he became a uh, member of the Spurs full time. Uh, There's no delay, you know. Now he was continuing doing the draft stash. Because remember, Mono was a draft stash. He wasn't a draft, and then he played. Yeah. They, they kept him overseas for a few a few seasons. So um, I don't think I'll ever see something like that. I don't think any Spurs fan will ever see a player like that. You know, he gave up his left. You know what for the team? He um, <laughs> he took rabies shots for the team. He. Um, <laughs> He he took charges that nobody would even dare to take. Um, I mean, he came off. back after after losing, you know, his. Yeah, yeah. he came back yeah. soon after and was like, "Let's yeah. go!" And then yeah. taking charges. <laughs> yeah, he continued taking charges. You know, remember he played with a broken arm versus the Memphis Grizzlies uh, in in the first round uh, when the Spurs had the I think they had the number one record and the number one seed and they got bounced yep. by the eight seeded Memphis Grizzlies. He played with a broken arm. Yep. That's how passionate he was for the game and for winning. Um, look, Tim Duncan was the rock of the big three. Tony Parker was that young gun. You know, he's not young anymore, but at that time, you know, in his his peak with the uh, big three era, he was the young gun. Manu Ginobili was this otherworldly force that I think Spurs fans won't appreciate just how great he was years from now. Not not how you guys, but years from now. Um, because they'll just see highlights, they'll see video, and but they never get to see him in action, to see his passion on the court. Uh, he could have started in any team. He could have been the number one guy on any team. That's Philadelphia. They tried to make him that. They tried to pry him uh, from the Spurs a few seasons ago. But he he sacrificed a lot. He admitted that it was hard for him to go to the bench, but he did it anyway. He there was some argument that maybe he should have been a Finals MVP over Tim Duncan versus Detroit or was it New Jersey? I forget which one of two, but there was a Finals where you know that was kind of a debate. You know, was it those long hair Manu Ginobili? Yes, there was against the Pistons. 
but he still sacrificed for the team. And and I think that's just the way he was built. And that's what's going to get him into the Basketball Hall of Fame, despite what many naysayers don't think that he should go in there. No, he's there. He's there right now. He doesn't need to wait X amount of years. You'll walk into that Basketball Hall of Fame. He's probably there already. That's how good he is. And the good, you know, good for him. I'm glad he retired. I'm happy for him. I think he's has nothing else to prove. Now he can just sail off, and uh, hopefully we'll see another generation of Ginobili's come because he's he's been really training his kids playing basketball. So hopefully that'll bring another Ginobili to San Antonio. And this is a dude that if you if you didn't follow Manu like we have, this he won the 07-08 Six Man of the Year award, had yep. two All Star appearances in 05 and eleven, had a. I'm trying to look at other things, all league, multiple years, was all rookie, and all NBA team, and third, all NBA third team, and all NBA third team two years in a row, had MVP shares at some points, including mm-hmm. in 07, 08, 09, 10, and 10, 11. And in 10, 11, he had a eighth of the share. He had like the eighth most shares, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for being a sixth man, the way that he was in the mm-hmm. team, that's pretty astounding. It's, it's, it's unreal, and um, a lot of people think of him as a um, as a bench guy, and he was. He mentioned the sixth man of your work, but if you go back in his earlier career, he actually was got a lot of starts in his career. One of his All Star appearances uh, slash seasons, he started a bunch of games for the Spurs. It wasn't until maybe the start of his decline that he then was uh, he then went to his bench. Uh, just look it up. I'm pretty sure you all know the sites where to go see it. It's right there in black and white. Um, so his earlier uh, career with the Spurs, he was actually a starter. He got a lot of starter minutes, and then it wasn't until I think post the second All Star appearance he made, where then they shifted him to the bench, and you know that's where he was. But he was kind of in and out to start the season, start his career. I'm sorry, you know, bench and then back, you know, then full time starter, then back. And but it wasn't until he was cemented that sixth man until later in his career. Here's the thing, though: there will be, there probably won't be that many chat. Championship titles, uh, banners hanging in the 18th center without him. Definitely not. Oh, definitely not. Not versus the versus the Pistons, uh, versus the Heat. Um, it's um, it's 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 really really interesting to see how he's going to react, and I think that's what I'm bracing for. I know how the fans are going to react. I know how his teammates are going to react. I know how Popovich is going to react. I want to see how the fans react because I think the game versus Cleveland is just a formality. I wouldn't be surprised if people don't show up until the fourth quarter and be, okay, we're here for the game. We're here for the game. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think there's something like that. Like, if you see on TV, like, hey, where are the fans? Well, because it's Cleveland and they're waiting for Monitor's night. So, Jeff, but, it was like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like when what you were talking about, uh, you know, the uh, the air conditioned game when it went off and yeah. all the fans are sweating, yeah. but it's going to be coming from our eyes. Yeah, the, <laughs> a, lot a lot of eyes sweat. Our- <laughs> a lot of eyes sweat. You know, look, Obviously, it's player dependent. I get that. You know, when Tim Duncan retired, I'm pretty sure that's the way he wanted it. Quick, simple, easy, done, in and out. Okay. But Tim Duncan didn't do a press uh, post game, post retirement conference. Um, Manu did. The closest we got was Tim Duncan did some sort of radio spot in his home uh, <laughs> island of the Virgin Islands with yeah, the Virgin. his best buddies. Yeah. Um, he never had one uh, post conference retirement. His retirement was in and out quick, but now the players are going to be wearing warm up jerseys with his number on it. All right, they're having cool. a whole week of Manu Ginobili uh, theme. Uh, you mentioned about the Spurs and the videos they're doing. There's auctions right now. You can win some Manu Ginobili gear. They probably talked to him about it. They probably asked him, "What do you want to do? How do you want to see it going?" And I think 
he's trying to get the fans to celebrate. He's he's, exactly. he's making it a fiesta. Yeah, no, he's making it, it's fiesta before fiesta. It's not so, even the thing is it's not even it's not even about Manu and he under, he that's what that's his thing. He's like I don't it's not about me. He's like it's about the fans celebrating the yeah. fans, and that's that's yeah. I'm sure that's his mindset. It's like I don't care to do this for me. I'm doing mm-hmm. all this because the fans want this, and he's yeah. damn right that we want this. Yeah, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, remember he had a he had a post retirement conference uh, where he said he goes like, "Hey, you know, I made a decision. I came. I want to talk to y'all. You know, I want to get a message out." So this is obviously, you know, they like I said, they ran it by him more than likely. How do you see it? How do you envision your night? And he probably said, "Yeah, let's have a." Celebration. Let's uh, let's do it up, and the Spurs are definitely going to do it. I think season ticket holders are getting some sort of ingot. Yeah, I saw like that. Yeah. So a buddy of mine, um, JJ Perez. Shout out to JJ Perez. He's a good dude. Covers UTSA. But um, he posted on Twitter. He posted that it's it's like an ingot or yeah, placard. It's a silver placard that came in a really really nice tin and. and it's beautiful. If you can get your hands on that, any or if any season ticket member wants to sell that bad boy, hit me up. <laughs> I I would say yeah. I think I've, I've said this before, and I think many people would agree with this. Tim Duncan was the probably the best player that the Spurs have ever seen skill wise, mm. but Manu will always be the most beloved by the Spurs mm. fans. Yep, very the, true. Mo- yeah. the most beloved yeah. Spur in history. Yep. He, I think he will be. Um, I, I think uh, when, when David Robinson wore Bono Ginobili's jersey during his playing days, you know, that should tell you a lot. He didn't wear Tim Duncan's. Uh, he wore Bono Ginobili's jersey on the <laughs> sideline. So, yeah, it, it's going to be uh, an emotional night, uh, Thursday night at the AT&T Center. Uh, this is probably, the, as you mentioned, uh, it's probably the final big night that everybody's looking forward to. Probably the next one is obviously the playoff start. But uh, it, ju- it just, it just, and when you look back at this season, you're going to be thinking like, wow, what just happened? You know, we go from losing a potential all-world NBA player, you know, Kawhi Leonard, because of, you know, what happened with him, the franchise, and et cetera, et cetera. He gets traded. And then you have – this whole season was just made of nights. Think about this. There was <sighs> the night of Kawhi Leonard, the night of Tony Parker's return. There's the night of Mon Ginobili's um, retirement. Uh, the night, so, the night of Lamarcus scoring fifty six. Yeah, yeah. This whole season, despite how the Spurs started on the court, you know, up and down and erratic, it's also been a up and down emotionally for the fans and the players. Uh, Danny Green, you know, his reception back when he came uh, along with Kawhi Leonard, you know, the, the fans were showering, showering love with him. So it's really been not only an up and down season on the court X's and O's, it's also been an emotional up and down uh, season for the fans and the players and the, the franchise with the yep. amount of players that have come and gone in the off season uh, and, and, and the tribute videos. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a season with so many tribute videos until this season, <laughs> the game went to Palkis Hall. I mean, come on. So, um, it, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting season uh, when you look back at this 2019 20, uh, I'm sorry, 2018, I'm sorry. Uh, NBA Spurs, NBA season, but hopefully they're going to cap it all off with a nice playoff run. All right, and so to wrap up this segment, we had Jay, who's been, who always tweets at us whenever we make out Twitter questions. He's, he said he wanted to hear our favorite Manu moments in honor of Thursday's retirement ceremony. He said that his, in this order, were number one, game four against Golden State in 2018, whenever that was, that was post-Pops, um, whenever Papa left because of, uh, 
what was his wife's name again? Because I feel like an idiot. Gail. Gail, because Gail passed away, and so Pop was away, and that was about <laughs> that was after Game Three or Game Four, before Game Three or Game Four, one of those two, and they Spurs won a big one against against the Warriors. His second one was the fourth quarter of Game Seven versus Detroit in '05. Um, Jedi Manu. Three is one that we'll talk about. We'll talk about it soon because I got a whole audio for it. Uh, number four was his Olympic run in 2004 with Team Argentina. And then Game 5 was a game winner in, in the Western Com- Conference semifinals against Golden State in 2013. But the one that's my absolute he, he favorite... Them all up. <laughs> my absolute favorite one, though, is this one. Here's Harden, Ginobili's at him. He's got... Oh, Shadow, what a play by Ginobili! Knocked it away! San Antonio wins in overtime! That that's probably the, my favorite moment, just because of how I was watching that game live, and probably just because I was old enough to realize what was happening. But that was oh, such an awesome moment, especially against yeah. against a team that we hate as Spurs fans, and a team and a player that we've hated in the recent in the recent memory at well, least. Well, the, the, the irony on that is that James Harden admits he patterns his game after Monte Ginobili. Yeah, he very much so. Yeah. He learned the um, the flop the hero and step. Yeah, from Monte Ginobili. Yep. So uh, it was kind of uh, ironic for me. Uh, I would have to go to his game-winning shot versus Team USA um, in oh. Athens, I believe. Yeah, I mean it, that was just a miracle shot. You watch video of that. I mean, how in the hell did he make that shot? I mean, he's running full speed, flying out of bounds, just chucks it up, bang goes in, and then you see his reaction on the TV reaction. They were the first. Everybody, team everybody just flooded him. Yeah. It was insane. Everybody flooded him. Yeah, they're the first team to beat Team USA, and I yeah. believe, and I correct if I'm wrong, and I'm pretty sure I am, but I think Tim Duncan was on that Team USA. I'm I think pretty I think sure he was also. I think that was yeah. one of his, his his Olympic years. Yeah, one of the rare ones he did. But right. he, uh, but yeah, I think for me that stands out just to see because I, I look he Montejano. Remember, he openly admits that a gold medal is more important to him than an NBA title. Yeah, because he really believes in, in representing Argentina so much. He loves his country. Uh, so and also that, with the fact how he played for a team Argentina, and he was right. beloved. Um, yeah, for me that stands out. And yeah, yeah, and then, Je- and then how how much the that Argentinian team grew up together, and and they yeah. went through everything that they went through. Um, mm-hmm. Them going, I mean, all those guys are probably probably going to grow old together, which is amazing because they're also very good friends. So seeing them all do that and then accomplish something like a David Goliath scenario, mm-hmm. where no one had Argentina, 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 sorry, beating. Um, you know, Team USA, because Team USA is always dominant on the court, especially mm-hmm. in basketball. And seeing that David Goliath moment come to truth, come to light, and, and Mono Ginobili being, being the apex of it all is just, that's amazing. That's one of my yeah. favorite memories. I think my favorite memories, probably the entire 05 season, I think because I was just in, so in love with, with the thought of Manu being like a, a Jedi with his hair, and he was just <laughs> on a different level that year. Like, he was just tearing into people and then again against Detroit just just ripped him apart and he was just Manu was was possessed and I think that's the best way to to you know to explain it he was just a man possessed and he wanted to win mm-hmm. so bad 
and you saw it in his eyes and in every single game you saw it you saw him just rip into the other team and um i think that that's probably one of my that's probably my favorite manu memory is Jedi Manu will always live forever in my heart. And Jeff, you were right about that uh, 04 team. Tim Duncan was the captain of that USA team. Yep. <laughs> Which so I'm- there you go. Um, so, but it, it was just it was just great to see him, um, you know, become the man he was and the player he was on and off the court. He was a professional, never in the, in the spotlight for anything wrong, um, anything negative. He always brought nothing but professionalism to the Spurs. And um, yeah. You know, the chapter of Manu Ginobili is about to come to a close in a couple more days, fellas. You know, we're, we're crying right now. Brace yourself. I'm Brace yourself. It. It's coming. No, Jeff, you don't even, I'm going to be emotional because it's my birthday the day before. Oh, well, there you go. Going into the game. I'm going to be super oh, tender. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you're going to be a little tender. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but think about you. also said, too, that he's bracing for the emotional week. So he's aware of. Oh, God. All right. When we come back after we're done crying after this segment, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about some Twitter questions and we're going to roast someone. It should be fun. All right. We'll be right back here at the line. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content, just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash community and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash community and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. I'm Jonathan Sanford, former voice of the San Antonio Spurs. You're listening to At The Line Podcast. And we're back from crying, so don't worry. We'll be fine (laughs) until Thursday. Then we're going to be crying again. But we're going to take your Twitter questions, as we always do every single week. And then we got a roast of the night. So... Let's get started off with the Twitter questions, and we still have Jeff here, so Jeff's going to be awesome and help us answer these, because he knows more of the Spurs than we do at this point. Probably combined. I Com- would yeah, combined. I say combined. <laughs> this shows you how old I am, gentlemen. <laughs> All right, so the first question is from is from Alex Snorton from In My Bag Podcast. If the Spurs climb to the fifth or sixth seed, how do you think they will fare against the Trailblazers or the Rockets? So Jeff, go ahead and go with this one. I think uh, with the Trailblazers, I think the Spurs probably push it to a uh, five, six game series. Uh, the Spurs are deeper than uh, the Blazers. I think everything will come down to no, not LMA and Nurchik. I think it'll come down to how White and Demar fare against uh, McCollum, you know, playing devil's advocate here. That he'll be back hundred percent. And Dame Lillard. I think the Spurs defense on those two guys are going to be key. Derek White is and is is a more than capable uh, defender. On the perimeter, I think the Spurs should do well with uh, Blazers. The only thing that worries me, though, is the Spurs not having home court advantage in either uh, situation, whether that be Rockets or Blazers. As far as the Rockets are concerned, I think that's where the issues are going to be. Uh, the, the Rockets, they, they 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 have youth. 
they have a lot of athletic uh, bigs, Kenneth Reed, uh, named for one, uh, uh, Capella. And I think that Capella Pirtle matchup would be very interesting to watch. You know, we know Pirtle can defend, we know he can rebound, we know he can block shots. But Capella is also a two headed monster, he can do it offensively and defensively. Uh, that will be the, the focus. James Harden, obviously, that goes without question. Can the Spurs contain him? He's on an MVP tear again. He's lighting up the scoreboard. I think the Spurs could could see themselves falter against their in-state rival, Houston Rockets. But of the two, I'd like to have Portland over Houston. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm talking just regarding uh, Derek White. You, uh, Mac, you showed you sent me a picture of what was it? you sent me? Didn't you send me a picture of some of Derek White's defensive stats? Yeah, I believe I did. All right, I'm trying. I'm trying to get back to it, but it's like that. He has one of the best defensive ratings in the league as an p- individual oh. player. It was yeah, it was the defensive rebounds. Like so, last year the Spurs had Dejounte Murray lead uh, lead the entire NBA in defensive rebounds, and then this year they have Derek White leading the NBA, the entire NBA in defensive rebounds. There's just it's it's, ins- it's insane how good these def- both players defensively are, and Derek White. You know, coming off of what he's come through, um, being an excellent defender is just—it's insane. But and then regarding the question, I like the Trailblazers matchup better, even though that Trailblazers are probably one of the better depth teams. Even though the Spurs, Spurs just out depth, I think everyone, but Trailblazers still have a solid team. They have a team that can can light it up from three at times, and they mm-hmm. and then they can then they can fight inside too. It's Trailblazers are a tougher team than people should think, and I do think that would be a really fun matchup to see Dame go against uh, uh, LaMarcus too, and just that friendship rivalry. But and like you said about the Rockets, that is not going to be an easy matchup. That's a, one of the matchups yeah. I would rather avoid as a Spurs fan. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, because I mean you got to deal with uh, Eric Gordon, who this season is averaging twenty-two points per game versus San Antonio. You got Capella, who's averaging a double double, and I'm talking about upwards of 11 plus rebounds and 20 plus points per game versus San Antonio this season. We know what James Harden can do. Uh, then you got guys like Kenneth Reed, Gerald Green, uh, don't Chris forget, Paul. Don't forget about Ian Shepard too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's the, there's that guy too. But maybe that might be the way the Spurs win and put him out there. <laughs> hey, but um, hey, I don't I don't underrate Ian Ian Shepard sometimes. It's but like he's got you said, he can shoot. Yeah, 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 but I, but uh, but Houston pre- presents a much more uh, headaches uh, than the Spurs would want to right. have in the opening round series. But yeah, of the two, bring in Portland. Um, yeah, it'd be obviously it'll, it might bring out the best, even if that's possible, more of the best of Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, knowing that he's going against former team and he like to put it on them. So hopefully, uh, Spurs draw Portland over Houston. All right, and then ball, then ball five. Our dean from ball five asked outside Golden State, which first round matchup would you most likely avoid? Uh, like I said, I avoid I avoid Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. trying, I avoid uh, Oklahoma City too, if that ever happens. I think right now the way the way the bracketing is, um, you have on the top portion of the bracket, you have Golden State against OKC and Portland against the Clippers. I would rather avoid all those teams <laughs> in the first <laughs> If we can stay how we are right now, or if the Spurs can stay how they are right now against either going against Denver, um, I, I think that's the, the best matchup for them in the, in the first round. I think they're they're good right now where they're at, so 
they have to stay either sixth, sixth or seventh seed. If they go anywhere to the fifth or the fourth, or even to the yeah. eighth, I think that's that's trouble on that on that side of the bracket. Yeah, the Spurs are in a weird position. You know, they're they're better off losing and staying in the sixth or seventh than they are winning and moving up. But we need a fifty-win season for competition. But here's the thing: even if they stay with a very friendlier matchup. There's still that big cloud that's over their head right now. Is can they do it away from San Antonio? They will not have home court advantage. Damn it! Yeah. Um, there's that. Yeah, um, so maybe getting four seed would help them since at least they got a home court advantage in the first round. But all but, they, in that case, all they have to do is just steal one game, it, and that's the mentality yeah. that I think they have to have: just steal one game, yeah. and then boom, you bring it back and and you reset that whole home court advantage thing. So, yeah. it, and, and they and could. I, yeah, this is the first thing they can do that, but right. this season history shows the robos. Don't put the, don't bet money on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> think about this: a lot of their road, a lot of their road. I'm thinking about the road now. A lot of their deeper playoff pushes is when they have an above 500 road record. This year they don't have that, so we'll see yes. if that will translate this season. Hey, you never know. This Spurs team is. As inconsistent as this team could be, you could suddenly see them start clicking on the road. And we saw that at least in Boston, hopefully that was some encouragement that they can play well on the road when needed. And if they play the game right, but hopefully the Spurs, because they, they've been improving their home record as of late. So hopefully they can fix that too. Then, yeah, you know, and like, and I don't want to run into the parade and everything. And I get it. You know, they want a road game in Boston. Great. Going back to again, back. But against, but also, but now, yeah. Yeah. A, a team that did not have Corfer, exactly. did not have Tatum. Um, they were out of sorts. Then um, they're coming off a back-to-back uh, in Charlotte. I believe that's where they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spurs on had a, a day off. Crushing loss. Yeah, yeah crushing loss. And, um, you know, they, they go to Atlanta and beat a very depleted Hawks team. They go to Dallas and play against the Luka Doncic that was not 100%. Um, they get walloped in Houston against a team that was at 100% strength. Again, I'm still... You're so skeptical. I'm still eyeing that, I'm still eyeing that Denver game. If Denver comes in at 100%, I want to see them have this first fair yep. up in Mile High City. Yep. All right, the next one is regarding drafts from J. I'm so sorry, man. I'm going to butcher this name. Jaxbury, J A G S P E R I. I'm so sorry. He has two questions for us. One, he says, "What are the chances of Milotova coming over to coming over in the off season?" No, slim. Um, very slim, especially because yeah. they sound that Monte. Matejuanes or how do you pronounce it? Matejuanes. Yeah, I think it's slim to none. Uh, he's going to be those uh, drafted stash that never came here uh, alongside the Adam Honga. That's another guy that's still toiling away in the early, though he's a great player. He's a good, 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 good guard. Yeah, very um, true. Uh, but no, slim to none. Um, I think they're going to roll the dice on Tenatis and Matejuanes. Yeah, they can get that 2012. 2013-2014, Donatus that was playing in Houston, I think the Spurs would be good. He's still young. I think he's about 27, 28 years old. A mobile big. He can pass. Uh, he can score in the paint. He has a good uh, go-to move that is a, a little jump hook shot. But, uh, you know, he's not with the team yet. You know, I, I traveled with the team in, in Boston and did not see him uh, on the roster nor on the bench nor in that locker room. So maybe he might be joining the team in Charlotte tomorrow or in Cleveland versus Cleveland at home. But um, 
interesting to see, you know, um, how the Spurs are going to utilize him once he does put on that silver and black uniform for the remainder of the season. Do you think it's even going to happen? Or I mean, because I know that there is there was an article that stated that he was going to, even regardless, he was still going to return to the China League next year. So well, that's to see him like, cracking the rotation to this year. He 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 bid farewell to the uh, the Chinese basketball. He said thanks for thanks uh, for the memories, but he's off back to the NBA. So, I you know what have the Spurs got to lose? You know they have a, a hole to fill with the the departure of Pal Gasol. Uh, I, I I honestly I did not see this signing coming at all. I thought they were just going to ride it out with what they got. I mean, they and, should, uh, or at least I think yeah. so. They're doing well with yeah. with the Eubanks hurdle. It's 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 a little too late to bring a guy in and try to get him uh, into the system unless he's going to wow them in practice or whatever little practice they get between now and the playoffs. Right. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't see him cracking that rotation. Just kind yeah. of situ- more of a situational guy, in my uh, my opinion. Just throw, yeah. throw him in there if you need a, and, someone and, and, to shoot and, the three. And he's also he's also a team killer. You know, in his Houston days, he did not get along with Harden. He did not get along with several other players, and that's one of the main reasons why the uh, the Rockets uh, went ahead and parted with him, and he ended up playing with the Pelicans. All right. So the next question from the same person is, "What are your especially? Because I wanted to get your opinion on this, Jeff." What are your draft day targets for the Spurs? Ooh, um, at this point, I would say, um, well, where would I begin? <laughs> I feel like they need help in every little spot. Um, even the guard, even the guard position. Well, let me rephrase that. Let me let me, let me start over again. Okay, okay, sorry. All right, jump the gun. <laughs> I think they need to start looking at power forward position. Lamarcus Aldridge is beginning the backside of his career. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's one area to look at. Uh, I would like to see them bring in another shooter uh, in this day and age. You know, sh- three-point shooting is a premium. You know, how much more can Bill Nelly give? And he's playing phenomenal this season. Yep. Mills, you know, he can be a little uh, hot and cold at times. Um, a guard position, well, now two guard position, I think they're okay. You know, DeMar DeRozan, Lonnie Walker, Brent Forbes. Um, I want to see a little bit more shooting on the point guard spot. We yep. see a lot of videos of De, of Dejounte Murray working out and lifting weights and taking the shots. ball, but show me your well, show me your jump shot. And we'll see him showing off his jump shot. And whenever, um, I remember in the off season we saw a lot of Dejounte. A lot, I remember watching a lot of videos of him yeah. just shooting the three in expedition games and just draining them though. Yeah, yeah. he looked good so, in the off season. Yeah, and, and and I think I just also want to see a little bit uh, another big. I would like to see another big. Um, Again, Lamarcus Aldridge, beginning of the backside of his career. Uh, Pirtle, he's good, he's serviceable, uh, but I like to see a little bit more uh, energy, a little bit more bounce in that position. Look at the look at the, the, the centers that excel nowadays. Uh, Capella, quick, swift, mobile, can bounce and jump. Uh, look at uh, a guy like uh, Draymond Green. You know, I think that'll be a guy that Spurs could look at. Not not him, but you know, a player like that. That can play multiple positions. Right. Um, I think right. that's what they need—a guy who can play multiple positions. And, and I think a uh, defender. I think they need a wing defender right now. Derek White is good. Uh, I don't know if this is just lightning in a bottle because of the fact that he's been thrusted into position where he has to play it, and maybe he's just uh, living up to that lightning in a bottle. Uh, we'll have to see if he really is going to be that defender moving forward in his career. Uh, 
there's just a lot of little areas the Spurs can improve on. But knowing the Spurs, um, they'll probably just select, you know, best available. And I think that's what they're going to do. And if they're going to have a nice draft pick, they're going to have a, a somewhat high mid, mid-ish. Yeah, around 18. Yeah. Yeah, so they should be okay. This draft looks pretty deep. It's a lot of young talent coming out of the college ranks. Um, who knows what the Spurs would do? But yeah, um, pick a pick a pick a spot. You know, for me, um, I would tier it like this: one, a player that can play multiple positions; two, a defend a wing defender; and three, uh, a big man uh, to groom if uh, Lamarcus Aldridge's days are going to start being numbered soon because he's he's up there in age. I think he's what twelve seasons in the NBA, twelve thirteen. So yeah, he's about thirty four, I think. Yeah, so his his time in the NBA is coming to a close soon. I think the. Max sold me on Mathis Tybull as one of those top candidates for, especially on defensive ends, and also add some depth to that to that winged position. Also, a player that because I've been because I've been running Texas Tech basketball games, one of the guys I do like, and I highly doubt he dropped this far is Garrett Culver. Garrett Culver is pretty damn good at six five. The dude has made all sorts of different stats breakers at Tech. He's a good shooter, especially off the dribble, and it's. This dude is kind of a good all-around type player. He can shoot, he can defend, he can rebound, and he's just sol- he's just solidly athletic. And but I highly doubt he would drop that far to where the Spurs could possibly grab him. Yeah, and I could be interested to see what they're going to do with Metu moving forward. Um, he definitely needs to add some size to his frame. He's very uh, on the thin side. Yeah, but he he has a lot of bounce to him. Lamarcus Aldridge uh, early in the season commented on that, uh, seeing him in practice. That how springy he is, and you know how athletic he is. Um, I mean, I think he's definitely. Within, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. I, I think he definitely become a good rotation player. I don't know if he's going to be there to be a starter. Yeah, I think he definitely can mold into like you're saying, someone that can can go one on one with Clint Capella because he yeah he looks very. I mean, he has the same type of frame, mm-hmm. uh, and almost the same height. So, you know, if he can develop his game like Clint Clint Capella can, um, and obviously he's in the best developmental organization there is. And with a, you know, with a mentor like Tim Duncan, I mean, he's going to, hopefully he lives up to that potential and can, can get that role or or be that person. Yeah. I think patience is going to be in order though, um, with Metu uh, and even Walker, um, Sure. I think uh, they're really going to be trying to groom them. This offseason is going to be really critical for them both, especially at summer league and in, in practice and whatever training camps they go to. Um, they need to really show that they can make the next league forward. I think Walker is definitely going to see a spike in minutes next season. Uh, don't know how much. We'll see. Uh, remember, uh, Brent Forbes took about two, three years before he actually made an impact. Yep. Um, so the same thing go for them. I mean, except for Derek White, who's just just second season already doing what he's doing. But no, the Spurs have a history in this. Uh, you mentioned White, Bryn Forbes. I forget Danny Green. Remember Davis Bertans was in the G League for a while. Wasn't Corey Boban, Joseph? Corey Joseph, Boban Marjanovic was in the Austin Spurs uh, yep. uh, for a while before he became Boban that we know him and love him today. Hey, <laughs> so, he drained a three. He j- this yeah. kid can do it all. <laughs> So uh, it's there. Proof is in the pudding, and the Spurs got to just stick to that. Popovich actually commented on, on Lonnie Walker's development uh, pregame yes, uh, at Boston, uh, saying that that patience and just have that patience with him. So we'll see how that turns out. 
All right, and now to wrap up the end of the show, I'm going to give it over to Mac for the roast of the night. Mac, you found a pretty good gem, didn't you? Well, in this, it's because of the history we have with this with this topic. I think if there's anybody that can discuss this in depth and with a, I guess with validity, it's going to come from the Spurs fan base. So, to our boy Jordan, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan and Ballify, by the way, just like his name. Jordan and Ballify. I'm sorry, dude, but your tweet was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's because this is it, everything that that article. And, and so, okay, let me let me rephrase this and let me let me pull back a little bit. So, what Jordan and Ball, what Jordan Ballify tweeted was an article from the Score, and this the article was sourced from PSN. So, I mean, it, it has a lot of it, it has a lot of legs to it. Um, but basically what I was explaining was, it was explaining that Toronto Raptors are becoming more increasingly confident that they can sign Kawhi or re-sign Kawhi to a long-term deal. And the reason being, and this is, I quote, I quote, Toronto's pitch to the 27-year-old forward will revolve around trust, familiarity, and a commitment to maintaining his health and the shared goal of chasing a championship. That sounds familiar. <laughs> that sounds exactly. <laughs> okay, let me let me also pull out. Let me also pull out some more nuggets. Let me pull some more nuggets from this thing. So I continues. The Raptors will also be able to offer Leonard a maximum five-year extension worth 190 million, while the other teams are limited to just four years and one and 141 million on any potential deal. Does that sound familiar, Jeff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's look. You just don't know with Kawhi when it comes down to it. If he can pass up excess of two hundred and fifteen million dollars, the Spurs could have offered him and uh, give him the richest contract in franchise history. You don't unless it's something unless it's something personal that we didn't we will never find out about uh, between him and San Antonio, him and Pop, or the players. Um, that's a lot of dough to leave on the table. So if he's willing to pass up that kind of money, then good luck to you, Toronto. So, okay, so let me pull back. So, Jordan, I'm not roasting you. I'm roasting <laughs> your idea that the Spurs hadn't tried this before or didn't try doing this. Because just like Jeff said right now, the Spurs could have offered him a contract of over $200 million if he would have stayed. Probably made one of the richest players in the league. They would have made him one of the richest players in the league if he stayed. And not to mention, he was still with Jordan. Yeah, he that's another story, but he left that money on the table too. And not to mention, property taxes. Here in San Antonio and Texas, there's no there's no state tax. All that money... No income keep, tax. You, you, don't, you don't pay anything extra. And so he could make more money or he could have made more money by staying here in San Antonio than leaving to Toronto. And he didn't even want to leave to Toronto. He wanted to go to California. That's what this has all been about. It's been about California. And so regarding, yeah. regarding the health comment on that, you found this, you found this amazing tweet as an honorable mention. So the tweet says, the tweet says, Oh, for sure. <laughs> Pop doesn't rest players. Him and Tibbs were bad about that. What? And Ma- hold on. So go back to Manu. In Manu's 16 years, he had never played an 82 game season because of rest. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, if you don't know that by by now, that San Antonio and Popovich does that, and I don't know. I mean, the NBA find them exactly. for resting players. Exactly. So. The, the 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 NBA made all the rules now about resting players and this load management because of the San Antonio Spurs and Popovich, because they're notorious for that, because they continued to rest players throughout the season and, and, and save them for the playoffs when that's more important. So I, I'm sorry, this whole thread was just insane. <laughs> and to compare Tibbs and Pop as the same type of coaches because they don't rest players, holy crap. Like, oh yeah. my God, what do you... Obviously, these people have not been watching San Antonio Spurs basketball, period. That's, 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 that's essentially what it comes down to, is they have no idea anything probably south of the border from Canada, which is fine, because that's the majority of the NBA. But come on. Come on. Well, as the Joker would say, just let it watch it burn. It's going to be fun. Look, look, and, and let me let me just finish it with it. I have nothing against Toronto. I don't, you know, I, whatever. I don't even care for Toronto. I just want you to know that Kawhi doesn't care. Kawhi wants whatever he wants. He doesn't know. He's he's an enigma. He's like, the, just like Jeff said, he's like the Joker. He, he's he's a dog chasing a tire, and then when he gets it, he doesn't yep. know what to do with it. He, exactly. It, it, it's just, you'll never know with Kawhi. So, Toronto fans, if you're listening, or if, even if you do listen... Don't get attached. You don't want to. Mm. You don't want to. You don't want to do that to yourself because he will don't rip your heart out. Don't do it. Unfortunately, yep. best right. advice Raptors fans is just um, pretend he's leaving, so you have nothing to be disappointed about. At the end you'll of the be day. excited you'll, if he does yeah. resign. You'll be happy. Yeah, exactly. This so just go with the mask of he's leaving. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. exactly what I should have put on that thing. So all right, so that wraps us up for this episode of At the Line. You can check us out at our home base at, at thelinepodcast.com. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Guy, go through all these different podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at at the Lion Pod. You can find me and Mac at at Ty Yeager Radio and at Mac Penn Media. Jeff, where can they find you? Well, at Spurs Zone News for San Antonio Fox twenty nine San Antonio dot com. Also at Locked On Spurs. Just Google Locked On Spurs. Plenty of platforms where you can subscribe to, as we affectionately call it, Lopes. And, uh, of course, on Twitter, at Jeff G. Spurs Zone. At Jeff G. Spurs Zone. Don't forget to check out the Rise Up Podcast community on Twitter, at RUPodCommunity. Or you can find them at their webpage on bit.ly slash RiseUpPodCommunity. At the line is part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast. Be bold and stand out. Go visit them at bellyupsports.com for more podcasts, more articles, just like us. So... Again, also check them out on Twitter at Belly Up Sports. We are proud to be part of that network. Belly Up Sports, be bold and stand out. Also, we got merch. Who doesn't want merch? Go check them out. Check out our merch store at bit.ly slash at the line store, or you can find it on the homepage at at the line podcast.com. Any last words, guys? Uh, bring a lot of Kleenex this Thursday. Oh, Damn it. ATT Center. <laughs> it's going to be. Um, man. I'll, I'll be tweeting from at the line um, from at the line Twitter handle. So if if it's really shaky or if you hear like deep sobbing in the background, I'm sorry. I apologize. All right, we'll see you guys next time here on at the line. Here's Harden, Ginobili's at him. He's got Oshawa. Oh, what a play by Ginobili!